Welcome to the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast, where we don't take from insurance companies. Here are your hosts, Mr. Jordan Comstock and Mr. Ben Tuineg. This podcast is sponsored by BoomCloud Dental Membership Software, www.boomcloudapps.com, and Veritas Dental Resources, www.veritasdentalresources.com. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? My name is Jordan Comstock. I'm the founder and CEO of BoomCloud. Today, we're going to be talking all things money with my with my buddy here, Reese, Reese Dog Harper. The salute to the audience. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Yeah, we got Reese in uh, in the BoomCloud studio here. We're also going to be publishing this on the Say No to PPOs podcast. So hi to our website visitors and hi to our podcast listeners. I love it. Uh, it's a good <laughs> podcast, man. Makes yeah, me man. think of a is a drug theme. Say no. <laughs> That's to exactly PPOs. what when Ben and I came up with the topic. Yeah. Say no to PPOs. Like, what? Like, what? What could we name the podcast? And he's like, I don't know. It's got to be something against PPOs. I'm like, say no to PPOs. It's like say no to drugs, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy. So, so it was easy, right, yeah. to come up with with that name, and it, uh-huh. it's worked every time. We, every time we say it, you know, in the dental industry, people chuckle. They're like, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's good. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun podcast, but Reese is here today hanging out with us, and we're going to learn about a lot a lot about money today. Yeah, man, and how uh, I think a lot of how your product and kind of how dental membership programs kind of, you know, have a big part to do with, you know, I think what can help people grow their wealth too, so. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, why don't you tell our audience, I'm sure everyone knows you. Probably not. Surprisingly, <laughs> the one thing I've learned is no matter how... Many people network. get to know you, yeah. you still, no one knows you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dennis my name is Reese, yeah. <laughs> and um, Jordan and I have been friends for a while. I started my uh, practice in 2003, helping dentists make smart financial decisions. Nice. Um, and I was trying to, you know, I, I started out like working with a lot of business owners. And so dentists actually became the focus in about 2007. Yeah. And it happened after I started seeing like how every dentist was, not every business owner was the same. A lot of them were asking me different questions and they struggled with different things. And I think if you really want to help somebody, you have to find the, the, the real underlying challenges that face their unique occupation. Yeah, um, I agree. As you know, like a, and a, a SaaS model software business has its own dynamics. Yes. It's got its own like team structure. Totally. You know, you've got a... You have customer success department, you've got sales department, you've got dev department, you've got your media department and marketing, you've got your copy and your content. And and, and it's like dental practices don't look like that. No. You know, they've got (laughs) the front and they get the back and they've got hygiene, they've got assistants and they've got associates and they've got, if you're a specialist, you've got different staffing requirements, you've got different outsourced vendors and different overhead requirements. And and so as a financial planner, if you're really if you if your goal is to try to really help people make good decisions, you can't do a really really good job for focusing on a broad broad spectrum. spectrum. You you just it weakens your kind of knowledge of a problem space. And so, you know, I think there's a, some truth to some common rules can cross boundaries, but especially when you start to scale, if you say, yeah. well, if, if I have an associate in my practice, and I want him to help people and not just be me. Well, as a business owner, I can probably give advice to other business owners pretty well. 
But when you start getting to where team members are trying to give advice to other people, True. it starts to break down unless you're really laser focused. Because my, my team of advisors are extremely capable when it comes to giving advice to a dentist. Mm-hmm. You get them outside of that spectrum and they're not going to be as good as maybe someone who, if, if it was a car dealership owner's, I know a guy in Detroit who does just that as a financial really? advisor, and he yeah. does really, really well for car dealership owners. You know? Yeah, um, you get him outside of that, and he's like, doesn't know he's anything like, I don't about know this industry. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I, I mean, I think the more a, a business can specialize, whether it's a service like a like a software like mine or, or yeah. service like yours, um, the better it can it can perform for those customers or clients. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I found. Uh, you know, starting Boom Cloud, we, we focus on one thing and we focus on one client, client yeah. right? And we're, we're, if we were to focus on different verticals or different industries, um, it definitely complicates it. Obviously, that's the goal down, down the line, but when you can focus on one industry and build a team focused on, on dentists, yeah. you can better serve those, those clients. Yeah. It helped us build a lot of knowledge. I think we know more in um, every one of these occupations has like, uh, we call them jobs they're trying to get done. Uh-huh. And they're not the same for every Every occupation has different jobs they're trying to get done. And so you you, you get totally. to know the jobs of each customer a lot better if you can narrow down the focus. Yeah, so. I agree. So you started your your practice focusing on dentists. Or you, yep. and, and, and you've grown it. Yeah, we have dentists well. in every state in the country. And we've got um, remote financial advisors in different markets that are helping kind of give people a local touch. Um, we work with clients um, of, you know, different scale, you know, associates and basic owners and large DSOs and uh, single to multi-location practices with no associates or multiple associates, a lot of specialists um, Yeah, you as think well. just one industry, too. There's all those categories, Yeah, right? those... I mean, pedo, ortho, endo, <laughs> perio, OS, like they all have their different, unique kind of attributes. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So yeah. I, I think it's good that you focus on helping yeah. the industry with money. Yeah, it helps. <laughs> yeah, so the first question I have for you mm-hmm. um, is how, how does a dentist know whether he's making smart financial decisions or not? Like, is there a way to, for him to assess that? Yeah, I think, I think when you start out um, looking at this, people do it all, the wrong way. They look at, like, how much money do I make? Mm-hmm. Like, how much do I make every year? That's like top line revenue. Yeah, or collections or, or collections. personal income, personal okay. take home uh-huh. or top line collections okay. or any kind of like annual revenue or annual number. They look at that as kind of like if it's as long as it's going up, like I must be doing good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, or they look at it like based on if they're paying off their debt, like if their debt gets paid off, then that feels like it was great. Yeah. And, um, I Which think those a are milestone or a step. towards. Yeah. And income. All those are steps that make up. Um, a picture of someone but mm-hmm. um, there's one number that really shows you whether someone's decisions are actually making them wealthier if they're moving in the right direction and it's the same for every person and um, you it has different words that people use to call it some the same thing it's a uh, worth or net worth mm, yeah or your total what you're worth or everything Assets you're worth. minus liabilities yeah whatever. your debt you subtract your debt from everything you own. Just add up all your stuff and subtract your debt, mm-hmm. and then whatever you got left is what you're worth. And and sometimes, like that comes with like the val- evaluation of the business, right? Like yeah, how, how that, much that, is the business worth? Like that. Well, especially in a when it comes to a business owner, 
see if you're just if you've got a W two and you're working for someone, then you know it's pretty simple. You just yeah, like look at your four hundred one k and uh, and your mortgage. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. But when you look at a dentist, it's like they might have five to seven debts. They might have equipment debt, comb beam debt. They've got the TI uh, debt, the build out the debt, office. the shell construction debt. <laughs> then they've got the you know acquisition debt. They've got the expansion wow. debt. Yeah. got student loan debt that's usually bundled into 10 or 12 different loans. Wow. Yeah. So on their financial statement, they might have like, you know, when they, you're in your 30s, you know, early 40s, they could have dozens of debts. Wow. And then on the asset side, they have personal and practice bank accounts, usually a variety of them. They've got accounts for the kids. They've got accounts for them personally. They spend out of, they got variety of credit cards because they're trying to earn different kinds of sky miles and they're <laughs> they've got like uh 401ks they've got sep simples roth traditional iras profit sharing plans defined benefit plans mutual fund accounts you know stock options that they might be playing with they've got like a lot of assets they have yeah. really sometimes a vacation home and a, yeah a primary residence and it's like just a lot of stuff going on and when you look at everything and add it all up and then you subtract all the debts you get that number and if that number is moving in a positive direction, that's a good You're sign. Making good decisions. Um, but it should be moving in a positive direction at a ratio of what you're earning every year. So okay. if, let's say you you know a dentist might have a practice that generates uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year of income personally. Well, his net worth should be climbing um, by a certain percentage of that. Mm -hmm. And is that is there like? one percentage to look at when like, you're in your young early 30s or your late 20s you're probably not going to grow your net worth by not much more than 20 or 30 maybe 40 percent of your annual income as a dentist as a dentist okay and then because you know you're gonna have taxes and you're gonna have taxes. a lot of like you have some living expenses yep and um you have 11 kids things like that I just, I just met someone today with 11 kids I was like are you kidding me wow like, what are you do they live in a shoe uh, yeah no uh, that's 12 right it's great yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's still able to do it until he was the 12 so <laughs> and then when you get to be in your 40s and 50s it's a sim similar for uh, the higher that someone's income goes the more of that can go towards building your net worth but yeah. what, a lot of times what you'll see is people will make they raise their, their they make money and their net worth stays flat yeah. i have a lot of data that i've seen they're heavy spenders heavy they... spenders they make a bad investment in the practice the practice oh. declines in value uh -huh. right because your practice value makes up your net worth so if the practice is declining in value and yeah. collections are going down and the, True, then yeah. you, that assets and maybe you're adding debt maybe you're like you're adding ti's and a cone beam and some equipment so you're that's effectively eating into your net worth because yeah. your practice doesn't go up when you buy a new piece of equipment mm -hmm. it kind of stays the same value yeah yeah and, and then if your collections go down and you add a cone beam or and you add a CEREC and you build out your new space but your collections are flatlining, you're just eating into your net worth. And that happens a lot. So a lot of people, if you don't make the right investments, if you don't focus on the net worth as your primary metric, metric then you can kind of get sidetracked with like, oh, look, my income's up though or my collections are up or but look, but my, my debt's gone or yeah. I paid off my student loan or my, our house is now owned free and clear. Yeah. And that isn't necessarily a good a good way to track progress, and yeah. and the business owners like you and um, who you know you start out in building a business, sometimes you, if you don't give yourself credit for that business value, like you you need to kind of regularly, for our clients we try to value the business at least every year, in a pretty formal way to oh, really? not 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 like 
always pay for evaluation, but yeah, yeah. collect the data and kind of use some agreed upon metrics that we feel like are safe to sort of say, has the practice gone up and how much? Um, because sometimes you don't have a lot of liquidity left over in a year because you reinvested it back in your business, but your business yeah. might have jumped up dollars $400,000 in value. Yeah. It's important to give yourself credit for that and go, you know what, even though I didn't get that much cash out, cash. my net worth still went up. Net worth, yeah. Because if your net worth goes up more, um, I mean, here's the real trick, dude. Like, if you want to look at people's entire lifetime spending, you, 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 there's a thing called lifetime earnings I look at. Like, uh -huh. how much money you made every year of your life okay. from when you started. Uh -huh. You're 29 or you're 26, you got out of dental school, and so you just you take what you earn every year and you just add it up. That's okay. your lifetime earnings. Uh-huh. So the ratio of what you made to what you're worth varies dramatically yeah. person to person. Yeah. So you could, one person could make... From practice to practice. Practice to practice. Person to person, yeah. There's yeah. so many variables. And it, it, but it just shows you like how much has someone done with what they've had. How yeah. good have they done with what they've had? Because some people, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Like I, I've, I've been a median income earner before where my income's been barely above the national average. Mm -hmm. But in years where that might have happened, there's still an opportunity to grow your net worth by making smart investments, growing the value of your business, yeah. um, ha having uh, that. It, those are two the two primary ways, right? You have investments yeah. that grow big, or you have the practice that grows big. And you could make you know, $30,000 one year and um, feel like you're, you, you just went backwards yeah. as a dentist with all their debt payments. Mm -hmm. But the practice went up by a million dollars. Yeah, and it's like you should. So the asset grow. Yeah, you should feel, and it's just important to get down in that level of detail because when you're trying to like evaluate your, you know, your PPO exposure, and you're trying yeah. to evaluate your membership plan, you're trying to evaluate your your revenue streams and your practice, and look at your overhead, and if you're not tracking your net worth, and you, you sometimes just make the wrong decisions because you're, yeah. you're 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 making either feel like you're sucking and you're really actually doing pretty well or you feel like you're doing great you're actually doing kind of mediocre hmm. and the real metric should be how good have you done with what you've had yeah you know and which it, is net worth is, is yeah and and you know of all the income you've made in your whole life what's your net worth now you yeah. know um if you're 50 years old and you look back and say i've made two million dollars of lifetime earnings and my net worth one million probably haven't done that well yeah. with what i've earned yeah you know if I've bought only two earned, boats. yeah, bought two boats. <laughs> if I have two million dollars of earnings and I'm worth six million or five million, then I've made good decisions. Yeah, and it to get there, it just starts by just having discipline to track it in the first place. Start by tracking it. Tracking uh, your net worth. Yeah. Every month, every year. I do it every quarter. Every quarter. I don't like okay. to do it every month. It gets every like kind of like tedious. Tedious. So every quarter, track your net worth, and that's basically looking at all your assets, everything the value you of the assets, yep. everything you own from business to house um and if you own the business the, pra the, yeah. the practice building. practice value the buildings um, yep real estate all that stuff um take that add it together and then minus all your debts yep or your liabilities yep uh-huh I, I don't like to say liabilities. You like debts that's not a fan that's too fancy word that's too liability fancy, yeah. do you say I'm liability fancy. like debt i'm so fancy. yeah do you, what would you prefer saying I mean, I say both. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fancy guy. See, and I think people—that's I mean, where people get confused. Like, yeah. they're like, is a liability or a debt? It's, I'm like, well, it's the debt, same thing. Debt is a liability. It's the same, yeah, thing. It's the same thing. But you know, so yeah. I try to keep it as simple as possible. So whatever works for you, use that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh -huh. it. Cool. So track your net worth. That's that's the first tip. Yeah. To to understanding whether a, pra a dentist is making good financial decisions or not. Yeah. Yep.
Cool. Now I want your 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 mind on membership programs and how practices generate predictable recurring revenue. What are your thoughts on on that in a practice? Okay. Well, I think every um, if you're trying to maximize your lifetime earnings, the you know the thing I was talking about, which mm-hmm. generates it, there's net worth from that. That there in in the practice, there's only really like a couple ways that you can accomplish um, growing your net worth or growing your lifetime earnings, yeah. right? And that's either through uh, that's a, through some increased amount of profitability, yeah. You know, and you do that through cutting your overhead or by raising your revenue. And I and like in my experience, at least most practices don't have a very good handle on their revenue streams. Period. Yeah. So they don't know. Oh, because they don't control. It. Yeah, the it's insurance it's, companies. Do yeah, they don't feel like they have any control over how much revenue they're going to gain. So, yeah. how much exposure they have to Delta versus you know, and this market Select Health or yeah, whatever insurance whatever provider. Insurance be, yes. And 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 so I think that in any business, the cha- the thing I really really dislike, I mean, about insurance is that it hides the real like cost of doing business from the patient and from the practice, the practice. And so it's, people struggle to make progress. And, you know, I'm kind of agnostic as to, you know, whether I think people should start out with insurance or not, because I think it's like anything when you're getting your fixed costs paid and getting your business off the ground, you know, ramping up with, some marketing basically that is given to you by some insurance companies. That doesn't, I mean, it doesn't co- cost cash. It doesn't cost cash. Profit, right? It costs right. a lot of profit. <laughs> and, and so, and it, it, you know, there's an opportunity cost to that, and you got to decide yeah. if it's worth it. You know, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of scratch starts now that are going scratch start fee for service. Yeah. You know, and that's. I know a bunch too. Yeah. yeah. And then so it just depends on the market you're in, the city that you're in, the zip code that you're in, and how much competition you're going to be dealing with if you. You know, yeah. don't and, but in my experience, that the, the that the dentists that understand their UCR and understand what they're giving up by using insurance, that's a really important first step. Yeah. Because you're going to be able to improve your profitability, um, without you know this is the, that's the way you, you shouldn't be trying to improve your profitability by cutting staff wages. In my yeah, experience. that's the worst. That's one of the worst things you can do. It kills the morale. Yeah. If you if you're paying somebody, I mean, unless they're doing a bad job, right? Then. Yeah. But if you're paying somebody and you cut staff wages, like that's that's the easiest way to kill the morale of your team. Yeah. Which is, what's really making a good a good portion of who's helping you make the value of your, mm-hmm. your practice. So. Yeah, and you kill your marketing budget. You kill yeah. your team budget. Like I just don't feel like it's the first place to to, to, to look. Yeah. Um, I think I think dentists don't. In my experience, at least, they I think it's hard for most dentists to feel like they can even know where to tackle this problem from, like, at all. Yeah. It's a really... It's a beast of a yeah. problem that they have. Yep. And I just think it's really important to try to experiment with how to improve the total revenue you get per visit Yeah. as much as you can. You know, you have to experiment with that a lot. And, and you shouldn't be... I mean, I think... Getting a membership program in place to start that testing process yeah. is, it's just a no-brainer, you know. I just think you've got to, you, you can say all day long, you know, fee-for-service is never going to work in my market or I'm not going to be able to do this, but until yeah. you, like, actually put some effort an effort into it and put something in front of a patient and ask them if they would rather have this option or would like this option, yeah. you just won't know. 
So I think testing is just really critical. Testing is, is really critical. I mean, we've seen practices when they start their journey on creating a membership program, reducing dependence on, on, on PPOs. I mean, within a year's time, they've got hundreds to some even have over, over 1500 patients signed up yeah. paying them monthly and yearly fees, mm -hmm. you know, which, which is what you just said. It helps them control the profitability of, of those patients, right. That are in, in, inside of that membership program Yeah. versus, you know, reducing your fees. You know, the, the average PPO discount I think is like 43% according to Ben Tuna. Um, that may be more or less in your area, but, um, I like to tell. Uh, I like to default to Ben on everything and make him hold the I, bag. I, for I do that too. Sourcing, <laughs> like we're we're not gonna make we're not gonna source an actual site. Yeah, just just like ben, according just go, to Ben, just go, yeah. like you'll have to prove it. Yeah, yeah, just go ask Ben. Look, <laughs> he'll, he'll go. Any he'll stat that we throw at you, just gotta go talk to Ben about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like. Yeah. That's all I always yeah. tell him. That's all I do, man. Yeah. That's why I have Ben because he's ben. Like, he's the source of everything. Yeah, it's. I, don't you think? I think. Um, on the on that note, like. When you're, um, when, I guess as you're, well, as a, as a practice is going along, I feel like a lot of times there's that tendency, um, there's just a tendency for people to resist uh, starting, well, let's, let me back up and say change. this. Yeah, they, there's a tendency <laughs> to resist change, but there's also a tendency to, I think, if, I think you underestimate the amount of overhead that you spend um, trying to collect. Yeah. And manage the insurance relationships as well. I think you you can probably cut. I mean, it's probably a. I don't know if it's. I don't know as much about this as Ben would, but it mm -hmm. seems to me like at least a half of a staff person or three quarters of a staff person. In many cases, a full out. a full time staff person. You're cutting if you just say, you know what, like there's no more insurance collections. There's yeah. no more uh, reimbursement. There's no more coordination of benefits. There's just like monthly auto drafts happening every month. Yeah. Now our revenues like completely predictable mm -hmm. and um, it just it just reduces overhead as much as it does stabilize the revenue and yeah. create like a little more predictability which helps the value which of the practice. Which is good for any business. Yeah. Right? It helps the it helps the valuation Absolutely. as well, you know. Yeah, we had a, a valuation expert come on and talk about recurring revenue and what that does, you know, for evaluation of, of any business, right? Yeah. You know, and I, I shared my experience when I, I bought out all my, my business partners here at Boom Cloud, and I had to go through a formal evaluation, and we are all recurring revenue here. Yeah. So that, um, I kind of shared my, my thoughts on, on what recurring revenue does to a business, you know, that has it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's good. So reducing, yeah. reducing dependence, you know, on, on insurance definitely can help you control your profit margins, which will then in turn... Help increase the value of hopefully your your net your net worth. Yeah. Because right? mm -hmm. if you can get more value out of your business, then you're gonna get more in, in regards to net worth. Yeah, I think there's one really critical thing about that. That's people think from from financial planning perspective. If you have um, a va whatever the value of your practice is, mm -hmm. that's gonna be the thing that you'll sell and pay the least amount of tax on. Um, mm -hmm. Throughout your life, like the annual income that you earn actually is taxed at a much higher rate than the sale of the practice. And the the amount that you get from the sale of the practice actually allows you to invest money more aggressively in your early years than you would otherwise be able to. For example, let's say you're gonna get, you know, a million dollars of value out of the practice uh, from after taxes. Well, if you knew 
that you're going to get a million dollars out of the sale versus let's say you're going to get 750 or 500 or 1.2 or 1.5, right? That, that valuation spectrum that you could get, it affects how you invest your money in your 30s and 40s because the time frame that, that you start, let's say your money in your 401k and your mutual funds and your, your retirement uh, oriented okay. investments, yeah. there's a time frame that you have to invest them for in order to kind of maximize the return. And the longer your time frame, the better. The, be- the more aggressive you can be and the higher the return you can get. And so if your practice value is going to, if you're gonna sell your practice and you're gonna pick up an extra, let's say you spend you know, seven or $8,000 a month uh, you know, after your mortgage is paid and that's like a normal living expense that you might be comfortable with. Um, the average dentist spends during his accumulation years around 15 actually. A um, per month and if you look at you know by the time some of their so that, that'd be a little low I, w- I think you'd probably should say 10 mm-hmm. is a, a good median number to use for spending so if you have a $10,000 a month spending number um, if you had a practice that was valued at 500000 more then it would be uh, um, if it if it wasn't hitting profitability strides and it wasn't as va- valued as highly you know you're, you're going to be able to last you know when you sell that practice you, you're going to spend that money almost right away because when you sell a business, you don't have a long time frame to go and invest it. Yeah. It just turns into cash and you're either going to reinvest it in something else that is like another company because you had plenty of money and you didn't need the money. Or if you're like most people, like most dentists, you're going to spend the money because you, you need it. You, you know? need it to live off of. You need it to live off of. Yeah. So if you've got an extra you know, five to seven to eight years of living expenses that you can generate, that you get from the practice, that's more than what it would have been had you you know, not had the valuation that you could have gotten. Yeah. I mean, what it lets you do is have your investments just defer for another five or seven years, another eight years yeah. beyond where it would have been. And so when you're, when you're looking at your investment, you know, goals, your investment types, the things you can own in your account, um, the stuff that grows more is more volatile, goes up and down more, but over a long period of time, it gives you a much higher return. Yeah. So for example, you can put money in something that's going to pay you 3%, a year that's kind of flat and stable, mm-hmm. or you can put something that's going to make you, you know, 10 plus percent, but it's going to go up and down quite a bit. But as long as you've got seven or eight years to, to hold it for that long of a period, then you'll be fine. You're going to get a higher return. Yeah. So the more you can get in selling the practice, the, the longer you can invest your other investments. And so that's why I was argue to people that the first place you should put money early in your career is back into the business to get back it to maximize its profitability, clean it up, get yeah. the right staffing. So it's it's important to reinvest into the practice. Yeah. In the early stages. Earlier, it's much more important to own to get the practice higher in value and more profitable mm-hmm. than it is to buy real estate. Yeah, yeah. Early on, because real life. estate's more slow. Yeah, real estate's not... It takes a lot of capital, whereas the practice may not take nearly as much. Yeah, to buy real estate, you have to put money into it to as a down payment, typically, you know, some kind of capital injection to get it going. And that money you have to pay taxes on first. So you earn the money, you pay taxes, then you got to put it into real estate as down payment. Hmm. Where a lot of times, that's not a great time to make that decision when your business is starving for capital in those yep. early years. Yep, yep. So people get obsessed with real estate investing really on their life, but it robs the business of like premium, oh. small amounts of cash that it could have had yeah. to then make that investment in a membership program or the right office manager yeah. or pay, you know, 
pay for the right location. Yeah, because that's know? huge. That's and, very important. Yeah, and so, you know, I just, I feel like the practice needs to get the bulk of the money early on. And the order in which you should put money early in your career is also the order in which it's going to come out in the end. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you you start with the practice and get that going because it's the first money you're going to get out. Yeah. And you build the practice early because you're going to sell that first. Yeah. When are you going to sell the real estate? Typically, like, at the end or never. At the end or never, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so you, you don't need to buy that no. as early. Yeah. Because it's not going to generate as much income for you yeah. when you need it. It'll you, yeah, you may have to you know put a down payment on it on a rental property for you know whatever the whatever you're you're buying the house for. Yeah. Whatever percent like twenty percent. Twenty percent, you know, which can add up depending on the location and maybe a couple hundred house. thousand or a yeah. hundred thousand or where more. If you, if you had that cash already, it would be smarter to put it into a business. If the business it, has the potential to grow, of if course, it could yeah. grow, and I, and most dental practices, what you'll see is they're they just underachieve their potential for okay. a long time. So rather than, like, if you think about it, you're, the lifetime income concept that I was talking about is you're trying to maximize the amount of money you earn over your lifetime yeah. and have the highest net worth possible mm-hmm. for that amount of income. If someone goes from 200 to 220 to 240 to 260 mm-hmm. to 280 and they go uh, slowly up to 300 plus over a decade, mm-hmm. that's not as good as going from 220 320 yeah and then holding at 320 for that whole decade right mm-hmm. if you if you get your income up faster and sooner you're gonna have more earnings true and your your net worth is just substantially higher you're, yeah. you're snowballing this and you whole can use this yeah you can use what the the higher earnings to do a, buy real estate in year five and pay cash yeah. for it now. yeah yeah absolutely you know it, it's just the the real estate and the even the 401k and the market uh, investments you know, they don't have the power that a practice investment has. Yeah. And and just business in general. Because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking me here at Boom Cloud. Yeah, like, it's like, uh, that's you know, what I, you, you've, you've actually done really well with that. Like, you've deferred a lot of the other stuff yeah. at the expense of growing the business. Yeah. And that's where your ROI comes from. If you look back over five years, you look back and just go, man, all the, my net worth, without making that investment in my own company. Yeah. I'm basically there's it just wouldn't have really done much. Yeah, and I think well, just look at me as a business owner and comparing to, you know myself to other practice owners because you're business owners. I, I would imagine like for me it's been really important to put everything back in right now as we yeah. as we grow the, the company. It keeps your taxes low too. It keeps yeah, keeps my yeah. taxes low, which has been a yeah. fantastic benefit, right? And, and that's a big advantage, you know, if you. Yeah. If you pull all the money out, you know, yeah. you end up having to pay taxes on it. And then you've got le- a, that much less in net worth that year yeah. that you can really work with. And we actually, I here at Boom Club, we actually use like a, a percentage-based budget type uh-huh. program that I've developed where the money comes in and I get X percent, you know, for a salary. Mm-hmm. And, and then I allocate a percentage for profit. Yeah. Right. So in my budget... Profit is kind of baked in there. Yeah. So at the end of the month, after we collect all of our revenue, well, we collect, collect all, of our rev, all of our revenue on the 1st and the 15th of every month. When you have predictable recurring revenue, it's a little bit easier to put on collections. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but at the end of the month, I know exactly how much money I have reserved for profit to invest back into the company. And over time, that's kind of compounding, right? Because yep. we use a formula 
to manage our money. Yeah. And if practices can do that, reinvest their money back into their, or dentists can do that, reinvest their money back into their practice and can continue to grow it and even bake in, you know, this, this amount of money is, this percentage of money is, is reserved for profit. And we've yeah. used that profit to put back in the company, yeah. the, the practice for several years, then they're, they're more likely to be making the wise decisions. Totally. Right. Yep. I think it's just, it's important to um, try to maximize the value of that practice reinvestment early on in your career. So early on, do it yeah. early on. So all you young guys start now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's different, the re, you can only put your money to four places. It's going to go yeah. back in the business. It's going to go to real estate or it's going to go into retirement accounts. Or, you're gonna or it's going to stay liquid. Yeah. And that's that's the only conscious places you could invest it, okay? Now, where it could go every year, the annual income, I mean, you can it can only go to four places. Your income can only go to four places, mm-hmm. which is spend, save, debt, or tax. So you can pay taxes, you can pay down debt, you can spend it, or you can save it. Yeah. Now, when you save it and pay down debt, it's going to one of those four places I mentioned. It's either going to real estate, it's going to retirement accounts, it's going to grow your business, you know. And and so, yeah, early on in your life, you know, building your practice asset and building your liquid assets to me, those two things are much more important than the retirement accounts and the real estate. Yeah. And I would let those come. Let the retirement accounts and the real estate start to come in when you have a mature income and you've built up a nice amount of liquidity. What would be a mature income for a practice? Like a practice owner that feels like they've reached their potential mm-hmm. in terms of what is going to be. Like at this point, you're now just going to grow your collections more modestly. You, you're not, you're not, you're using all your operatories and you're as productive as you can be. The reason yeah. I'm not going to throw out a number is average. It's, it's going to be. It's, yeah, but is. average dental income nationally is like 180 and change, but that includes yeah. all the associates that don't. Yeah, really... that's not including. That's not just focusing on business mm-hmm. owners. And the practice owners, in my experience, are going to be more in that twos to in the mid twos to high twos. Uh-huh. That that are at those. I would say those types of practices are generally underachieving their what they, potential. What they can really do. Yeah. And so you know, I I think it's important, you know, that you're you're looking at you know all. Look at all the operatories that you've got and ask yourself the question, what's, am, I, am I as productive as I could possibly be and, and am I kind of at the point where I'm content yeah. with who, what I'm going to be? If you're content with where you're going to be and you feel like it's, uh, you're, you're at a comfortable income place for your, the size of your practice and the you know, number of days you want to work, mm-hmm. then I'm saying now, now you can move on to, to kind of tackling those other kind of parts of your life. But in the meantime, build your liquid assets and your practice value until you get to that point. Yeah. I think people just handicap themselves. So liquid assets, can you be like, what are some, so a bank account can be liquid asset. Okay. I I don't keep more than, um, one, um, one to one and a half months of practice overhead in a bank account. Mm -hmm. And then personally, I, I I don't keep personally more than three months of personal living expenses, expenses, but never more than six. And so those are the bank account balances I would have. If you don't have that much, you've got to get that much because that's the bare minimum level of like functional liquidity where I think your brain will start to, there's a meaningful difference in how you'll feel when you get to that level of liquidity. Yeah, yeah. You're and not, you're not as stressed. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> now, now you can think about the smart choice, not like the 
just survival. There's a lot of practice. Most practices well, are not even there. Yeah, I just survive. And you know. I managed my dad's dental lab before yeah. this, and it was this, it, They're doing awesome now, but at the time it was survival yeah. mindset, right? And it's kind of, it's not fun to have. Yeah, well, and a lot of times the reason they're there is because they're, they're just they're not investing properly in their practice, or they're throwing money at real estate in a way that yeah. they don't need to. They're just kind of distracted. Yeah. When it comes to their financial decisions. Yeah. When they got an amazing asset. Yeah. Which is the practice. Yeah. Which then, once it matures, you can then use it to do real estate or yeah. other retirement accounts. I mean, there are a ton of things to invest money in that yeah. we could talk about, but I'd say the first thing yeah, is like, just get that liquid asset. Everyone's talking about like cryptocurrency right now. Yes. I don't know if you're into that. Yeah. <laughs> so like if crypt, crypto, in my mind, still is a liquid asset. Yeah, because you um, can put money in, in Bitcoin, let's say, and then you can still pull yes. it out. Yeah, Hopefully and, it went up. But yeah, you, you know. yeah. It, it depends on, like there's uh, anything that is not in a retirement account which is not liquid. Which in my, you. in my mind, that's not really liquid because um, you can't blow it out till you're yeah, a certain it, age. Yeah, it, it it can be converted to cash quickly. Yeah, but you can't get access to it without a penalty. So to yeah. me, it falls into a different camp. Yeah, and when I look at liquid assets, I think of pots of a pot of money that I could quickly convert to cash with no penalty that I've already paid taxes on. Mm-hmm. That it you know, and that could be it it it, it can be practice, bank accounts. Bank okay. accounts. It can be um, any public security of any kind okay. that you could convert to cash. So it could be a stock, a bond, a mutual fund. That could be a municipal bond. It could be a corporate bond. It could be a, a, a stock mutual fund. It could be a bond mutual fund. It could be um, an ETF. It could be uh, an option. It could be a cryptocurrency. Um, all, anything that is convertible to cash, it could be traded in an exchange. Yeah. Um, that pretty much covers the gamut of what a liquid. It's 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 more about the type of account that it's in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, real assets like you know bullion and you know coins and yeah. real estate and farmland, those don't fall into liquid assets for me. Yeah. They're not. They're just not. Because well, it takes a lot of capital. You put your capital in there. Let's say it's a hundred k. Yeah. In a down payment or something, you can't really pull that out. Yeah, and and, by, and as soon as you put it in, then it's, you got to discount it by six percent, which is what yeah. you're gonna have to pay the realtor to sell it anyway. <laughs> and so you're kind of you know you, you it's a lot more longer term, less liquid kind yeah. of thing. And I but prefer, that's the last thing that they sh- that the, any really practice owners, business owners like me and you. Yeah, that, that's like the last thing that should be yeah the their money. In. I the order should be practice. Or practice the practice liquidity retirement accounts and then real estate okay because retirement accounts at least bring your taxes down yeah and you free do like up a, more liquidity yeah. and I, I that's the kind of order if I had limited resources some people have plenty to do all of them yeah um, some people have limited resources and if you do that's kind of the order and the reason that I the the reason I do that is if you look out in retirement that's the order in which you're going to be withdrawing stuff yeah that's smart. It's I like, never thought of it that way. It's, you know, this is good for me. It's like, first you're going to sell the business, yeah. and then you get that money, and then you're going to spend your liquid assets because you don't want to tap your retirement accounts until as late as you can possibly go. You want yeah. The government makes you take money out when you're 70, yeah. and and so that's when you'd want those to defer. Yeah. And then your real estate, for most people, they don't just want hold, to touch just that. Just keep holding that. If, it's if you bought it once, you might as well hold the thing. Yeah. You already, you already ate the cost of acquiring it in the first place unless you just you know there, there's there's times where in the middle of your career early in your career i would advise dumping some of your real estate 
if it's causing your business to be to to flaunt to, to yeah to be struggle. underperforming yeah but if it's you know if you've already bought it like you're not going to sell it for you shouldn't you should be holding real estate for as long as you can as long as you can just like i would recommend holding a stock for as long as you can or anything or a business for that matter as long yeah, as you can yeah. the best holding why period rush to, why rush to sell something that is such an awesome asset yeah business once you say i'm going to sign up for it warren buffett says the best holding period for any asset it. is forever yeah <laughs> and so i think that's so committing to, commit yeah. to it yeah right? you commit just commit to it at the right time and then hold it yeah you know um and and then add pieces to your net worth at the right time and and keep yourself nice and diverse yeah. but i just like the idea of the order to build is going to be the order of withdrawal and that's why it's important i think I like that. imagine that, this that, that that's Gives yeah. Me a, do you have like a diagram for that? Yeah. Because you're good with diagrams. Yeah, I do. I've seen all I have your, a pretty picture All for your it. stuff. Yeah. That. Yeah. We'd, I'd love to yeah. post that somewhere. I mean, if you imagine, what if you did it in the opposite order, which is what most people do, like, <laughs> to get out of college, like, I need to own some real estate. Because that's what, like, yeah. <laughs> Warren well, Buffett told I, me. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, some random thing. Or I read, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's yeah, book, and the rat race tells book. me, yeah, I got to do it. So, it's like, okay. I mean. But in that, let's go in that book. He does talk about business. Because that that's book he does motivated me to do business not real estate yeah in a weird way i don't know yeah. i don't know why but that's yeah. that's kind of what i took from the book is yeah. do business because he tells a story about his his dad that's not his dad it's his friend's dad right yeah and it's and a fake th- person anyway it's, it's it? a fake person anyways yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and that he owns he owns a business or multiple businesses yeah and then he uses that business to buy other assets yeah just you know i'm sure in a similar way that you're educating here yeah but that's kind of how i took away that book but most people take that book and say i need to buy a bunch of real estate now yeah and i think what they don't realize is real estate is a place to park the money yeah kind of like it is stocks or mutual funds or you know they're not we're not they're not competing things like you don't have to like decide if real estate does better than the stock market or yeah these are stores of wealth you should have both of them and they should be places you park Money when you're ready to park money and you yeah. don't want to reinvest. When you've it. earned enough and the bit, the practice or business is doing to reach your awesome. personal goals. Yeah, because some it's people's though personal goals <laughs> might not be the same. They're not the same. Like no, your personal goal. This listener might be. I want one location, no associates. Yeah, I just want to be doing one point five, or I want to be doing one point one, or eight hundred and fifty is great for me based on my goals, like who I am. Like that's the level I want to work yeah. you know mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to say there's a right number of collections or right number of income yeah there's not but if you have a, a growth oriented goal man like the you know you the more conscious you can be about growing the business to that size as soon as possible the more successful you'll be and the more you neglect it and don't give it the capital it needs yeah because you're like well I gotta buy this real estate I mean they said that the book said like if I don't have the real estate said. like I'm not gonna be Wealthy. wealthy, like that's what yeah. the wealthy people do, right? Yeah. Then you you take the money, you park it in real estate. The first thing, the business is like, I need money. Like, you have all this equity in real estate, and in the the business, the, the real estate would go up in value, even if you didn't have that much equity in it. Can we yeah. get the equity out? Yeah. So that I can grow, because I I still I'm a membership program. I still don't have a good office manager. I still yeah. have still associate. so much that the practice can, the owner can do to the can practice do. to make it better. Yeah, and so but he's got to park in real estate because like that's how <laughs> it's like. Yeah. And it's just not the right order. It's just tied up. And and I think the is the example you gave is instructive, which is the guy already had successful business. businesses and it was healthy and it was vibrant and yeah. it had reached its potential. That's what I gathered. And then he was the parking it in other places. As, as he grew grew and matured. Yeah. yeah. Now the most optimal thing he could have done was start another one of the first things he already did. 
Yeah. Whatever that made him the money in the first place, he should have taken the and money just and continued doing that, that again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like so, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's where me and Robert Ziyasaki kind of part ways. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, were you just trying to sell real estate courses or Absolutely, was this? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, that's it. That's his know, business. Yeah, it's like <laughs> he really sells the real estate courses, and you know, but. I think that there is no investment that can return your capital as quickly as a business yeah, can. I couldn't agree more. And so, like, but there is a point in life when you got to just say, can, you know, I, can I build another business like this or should I I'm good. Yeah. It's time to park. Yeah. My, I, I'm not that smart. <laughs> like, everyone reaches their point of, like, I'm kind of, like, scared about maybe that next level of risk. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes sense. it's age that does it to you, and sometimes it's like humility or loss. Yeah. But it's so many people are just real conservative, and they never they never test the limits, yeah. and they'll never know. Um, but the business investment is by far the most high. That 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 is the only reason why someone with a thirty thousand dollar annual income could have a net worth of a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Is because wow. they 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 built that they business on asset. The right investments. It happened. It was Instagram or yeah. It was, yeah. you know, it was a, 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 a DSO that just went lights out because of the way they were targeting a specific procedure and a group of patients and a specific sub-market. And yeah. it, you can just never do that with real estate or anything else. Businesses. And so I like the idea of thinking of things like, where am I going to park the money versus where am I going to, how am I going to grow it? Yeah. Because if you... I like that. If mindset. you went... And, and the thing is, people are always complaining about dental school tuition. And like, baked into that tuition is... The fact that this is a, a business opportunity that you can go and an take advantage of, yeah. But and that's why it costs five fifty or six hundred to get through dental school. Yeah. I mean, you get out of USC right now, you're a GP and you're north of five hundred. Yeah. Well, if you're just gonna go be an associate, I mean, I could see why that'd be a little bit scary because yeah. baked into the tuition is this entrepreneurial opportunity that's out there. Totally. And I you agree. either take advantage of it or, or not. Don't, but I could see why it's starting to not be worth it if you just wanted to go and work yeah. as a and dentist. Yeah, not think of it as a financial as a, yeah, co- investment. Yeah, because yeah, for a lot of people it's not. They just want to go get a job yeah. out of, after dental school. It's like, well, that probably won't pay back your student your loans. Because student loans. No. the market has this, on, on, this crazy cool opportunity of, you know, Vibrant different types of practices, DS ownership, expansion, yeah, crossing state lines, non dentists can own dental Absolutely, practices. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. vibrant and a cool ecosystem. But if you're not going to take advantage of that, then don't buy a practice. Yeah, like <laughs> don't, don't go to dental school, don't go to dental school. I yeah. mean, it's like you got that low, yeah, it's like, yeah, and, and I agree it, because what will happen, like in a scenario where all the DSOs took over the world and there was just a bunch of associates, the price of dental school starts getting dropped, yeah, yeah, because. Now the opportunity no longer has to be claimed by a dentist. It's all the MBAs and yep, the, the non-dentals. Yep. And they're like, we don't, we don't need to go to dental school now because you don't have to be a dentist on the dental practices. Yeah. And so the dental school tuition will go down. Yeah. Well, and then that's just, but that wouldn't happen because there's too many entrepreneurial dentists yeah, right now right that now, are like right super now, ambitious. And they're like, no way, I want that opportunity. Yeah. So just know that like the opportunity, that it's there to take advantage of. You just... That's why you're paying a lot for dental school. It's why this industry. So use it to your advantage. Yeah, you got to use it to your advantage and invest in it early and don't don't park it in Robert Tiosaki's book and don't play rat race game because it'll confuse you for a while. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Wait, put it in the business. Yeah. Anyways, that was a good episode. I think this is a good episode for everybody there. Reese, where can people find you? Uh, dude, here at your office. (laughs) Hanging out. Go to dentistadvisors.com/slash/education. 
sign up for the podcast and um, start learning some more. Just listen to the podcast episodes. We hash through stuff like this every week. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome podcast. I listen to it. I've been on it a couple of times. Yeah, man. It's a fun you, one. Your episodes are great. So, so check out Reese, and thanks for watching our show here. Carry on.